Well, welcome back, church. As I said, it is Valentine's Day today. If you are watching live or maybe you're watching back on playback on YouTube or Facebook later on. But we are celebrating Valentine's Day today. And Valentine's Day has always been one of those weird holidays. You'll know many of our holidays uh, and even the Christian ones have been very commercialised over the years and are really just a money-making machine. It was actually made popular Valentine's Day by card manufacturers to generate revenue. And there's lots of different accounts of where Valentine's Day came from but by far the most popular goes back to the third century to 269 AD to Saint Valentine and Saint Valentine was actually a Roman Christian priest and he was arrested because the emperor at the time Emperor Claudius II was trying to strengthen the failing Roman army and enlisting men but there was a clause in the law that if a man got married he could actually bypass being enlisted in the army. So what did Emperor Claudius II do? He banned marriage. And St. Valentine, uh, a Christian, a priest, was absolutely committed to the sanctity of marriage. And he started marrying these young men in private and in secret. Of course, Emperor Claudius II wasn't happy about this, so he arrested him. And uh, when he was brought before the judge and before the panel with Claudius, St. Valentine stood up for love and for marriage and was finally arrested. He, it was said, was taken to prison and ended up befriending the jailer's daughter who was blind. So what did St. Valentine do? He prayed for her and the accounts tell us that this jailer's daughter who was blind from birth was instantly healed at the prayer of St. Francis. St. Francis, unfortunately, in the end was beheaded. He was martyred for his conviction of marriage and love and the Christian faith. But when he was taken out to be beheaded and martyred, it was said that he left a note to that jailer's daughter who he had healed through the power of Jesus, leaving a note signed from your Valentine. And somehow, somewhere 2,000 years later nearly, we are celebrating this holiday of St. Valentine. And it's a, it's a little bit of a morbid story, isn't it? A little bit, of course, like bonfire night where we celebrate and we set our fireworks uh, to remember a foiled plot and the uh, eventual uh, murder of Guy Fawkes. So let's not bring the tone down too much. We do want to celebrate love and we want to celebrate love in its fullness. Of course, Valentine's is quite a niche uh, holiday for those who are engaged, who are married, who have boyfriends and girlfriends, and it can actually alienate certain different groups of people. So what we wanted to do today here at LCF, we wanted to hear what it's like from different spheres of, uh, of our church on Valentine's Day. We want to hear from someone, of course, who's married. We want to hear from someone who's single. And we also thought it'd be really great to hear from someone who's widowed and get their perspective on what Valentine's Day means for them and what Valentine's Day looks for them now. And I think as we were pondering this and thinking about this, we came back to the root that Valentine's Day, of course, is about love. But as Christians, it's not just about romantic love. If you find yourself single or widowed or divorced today, this isn't a holiday where you need to be left out of. We want to tell you that we believe today Jesus loves you and we as a church, we love you as well. I was reflecting this morning on love and I was drawn to these verses in John 13, verses 34 to 35. It's Jesus. Jesus speaking to the disciples and this is the command that he gives them 
He says, a new command I give to you today, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. And I love this in verse 35. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. You know, we hear a lot today in the past uh, decade, in the past two decades, about radical religion, about radical faith and what that looks like. And of course, if you hear the term radical faith, instantly you think of radical times in our news channels in, over the years of, of different attacks, of beheadings, of the Twin Towers, these awful things that happened. But actually, we're told by Jesus, when you become a radical Christian, you're not known for terrorising, you are known for loving. And I just love that, that the command that Jesus gave us was to love one another radically, and that's how we will be known. So we're just going to take a few minutes now and listen to a few different people from the life of our church. We're going to introduce in just a moment Asa and Claudine Grant, who've been married coming up for eight years now. And then I'm going to introduce you to Cheryl Beckles, who has recently been uh, widowed. So let's go over to those TED Talks. Hey everybody, my name's Asa. And I'm Claudine. And we're the Grants. We've been married for seven years. And we'd like to share with you something that has definitely brought us together as a couple. That's goal setting. So we first started goal setting when we were just in the process of trying to get out of debt. So we'd set small prayerful goals of um, just how to pay off things. And we found that over time, it actually brought us closer together as a couple. Since this works so well with our finances, We decided to incorporate this into every aspect of our lives. Yeah, so we have individual goals that we work on and also goals as a family. So for instance, those goals include things like spiritual growth. That would be personal and combined devotions. um, Physical well-being. Working out, weight loss goals, fitness goals. uh, Professional development. uh, Working on courses and reading books. Um, Even things like uh, social interactions. Um, being deliberate about meeting new people and investing in our friendships. Family well-being. Date night and also working out together. And also financial. Uh, Being deliberate with our money, uh, that is giving, uh, saving for big ticket items and um, just uh, saving in general for our future. Yeah, so we make these goals simple. They're smart goals, they're specific, they're measurable, they're attainable. They're realistic and we also have a timeline on them as well. We actually write them out on paper and tape them to the wall so we can look at them often. But the most important thing is that we prayerfully seek after God's will when setting these goals. Matthew 6.33 tells us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be given unto you as well. So obviously, these are goals, and we know that life is full of unexpected twists and turns. So for instance, last year, we saw a lot of our goals go completely out the window. Um, But then we were also pleasantly surprised about a lot of things that we were able to accomplish through God's will. So we continue to trust in God, and we know that he's fully able to carry us through all situations. We reflect on these goals throughout the year, and sometimes they need to be modified and sometimes scrapped altogether, hence why we write them down. But we give thanks to God for all that he allows us to accomplish and how he continues to bring us closer together as we walk through this journey. So we just wanted to share this with you. Obviously, it's not simply about the goals, but it's about something that we do that brings us closer together. But we truly feel it's something that any individual 
any couple and even a family can do together. We know it's really great to work on yourself as you pursue God. Um, Proverbs 16, 8 tells us, commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. We hope that in your prayers that you will ask God to place on your heart some goals and you will be able to see what he can accomplish through you as you walk in his will. Psalm 37, 4 says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So we hope this will be a little something that will bring you closer together. Happy Valentine's Day! Hey Cheryl! Hi Cheryl! You never guess what? What? I have met the most perfect man. He's tall. Yes. Dark. Yes. Handsome. Yes. He has a brilliant job. Mm -hmm. And above all, yes, he has his own teeth. Yes. But does he? Avocado. Valentine's Day everyone. Many of you would have spent considerable time and money preparing for this day. Some of you, not so much. Grabbed a single about a suitable card from the supermarket, nipped a littles and got a nice bunch of flowers and maybe even a box of chocolates if you really really like the person that you're with or you're married to or is a, per a person of interest to you. I fall into the category of not interested. Not for me, cutesy cards and cuddly toys on the one day of the year when traditionally the price of a bouquet of flowers shoots through the roof. And trying to get a booking at a decent restaurant is now impossible unless you've had the foresight to book at least a month in advance. Having said all that, COVID-19 has changed the playing field altogether. Bouquets of flowers are in abundance and they're a sensible price for a change, so no excuse for many of you. Shopping bargains are to be found. After all, old stock needs to be shifted to make way for new and to try to get our economy going again. You sound like a bitter cynical old biddy. How dare she! Anyway, rude! <laughs> Romantic takeaways will replace the dinner reservation. And those of you with the energy and, enth and enthusiasm, my tongue got twisted. Those of you with energy and enthusiasm will be in that kitchen trying to rustle up a three course meal based on a recipe that you've never tried before just to add stress and tension to the whole affair. For some people, single or widowed or otherwise, Valentine's Day is not such a joyous occasion. This day, like Christmas, Mother's Day, Father's Day, etc., can be filled with sadness for a variety of reasons, not just romantic ones. My daughter would receive a mysterious card from her dad every Valentine's Day with a present uh, a beetle in a box or something strange like that since she was four until he passed away in 2017. It was their little ritual and it was something special to them. She always knew it was from him because because all this tale by his writing and the strange gift <laughs> still it was just something that was just special for her. So obviously um, today is a bittersweet day. I asked her what she thinks of Valentine's Day 
And she felt very much that the emphasis needs to move away from the romantic love to encompass love for one another, be it your family, be it your friends, be it a neighbour, just be letting people know that, that, that they are loved. John 13, 34 says, A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. My husband and I did not place a great importance on Valentine's Day. When he passed away in 2018, I found comfort and strength in my Bible and would encourage anyone to lean on our Heavenly Father. Isaiah 41.10 says, So do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Also Psalm 68.5-6 says, A father to the fatherless, a defender of widows, is God in his holy dwelling. God sets the lonely in families. He leads out the prisoners with singing but the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. Please know that with God in your life, you are never spiritually alone. With your physical church in your life, you have brothers and sisters in Christ that you can call upon in low and happy times. So if you're feeling lonely at this time, reach out to someone or even those of you that are at home or are happy, just give someone a call that you know is going to be alone today. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. Be blessed until we can all be together, which I'm really looking forward to. That will be like Valentine's Day. I'm looking forward to that. In the meantime, any of you ladies that are with men who are not treating you like right, the best thing that you can do is let that man go. Happy Valentine's Day. Bye. Wow, wasn't that just brilliant? Two completely different perspectives there. I don't know about Cheryl's jokes, uh, worthy of Jerry and Mark there having an avocado and let that mango, but just absolutely fantastic. And I think really reframes how we look at Valentine's Day. Of course, we saw with Ace and Claudine uh, how Valentine's Day looks, and then those goal settings in marriage, just absolutely brilliant. And Cheryl, of course, saying, actually, Valentine's Day has been reframed for them now. It's not just about romantic love. And of course, going back to Zent Valentine's uh, right back in 300 or so AD, we see it wasn't a romantic love that your Valentine's note was left it was a love from a brother and sister in Christ and I just love that so wherever this finds you today whether you're in a couple whether you're single whether you're divorced whether you're widowed we just want to say there's plenty of love out there here in the church but it's my pleasure uh, today after those two fantastic TED talks to introduce you to our final TED talk participant it is Lizzie Fretwell and she's going to open this TED talk with a creative piece piece right uh, live right here in the building. Over to you, Lizzie. Hi, uh, I'm Lizzie, and this poem is called Christian, Single and Struggling to Mingle. Hi, I'm a woman, as you might be able to see. I'm single and I'm 23. But there's one thing I must tell you before this gets too far. It might sound crazy and a bit bizarre. You might want to run, and to be honest, I wouldn't blame you. But I know Jesus as my Lord and Saviour. Now, this isn't a testimony piece before you doze off. I'm not going to preach to you about a man on a cross. We've got this hour together, and I think it's going well. We're 
we're gelling and I think we're starting to gel. But because of my faith and my spiritual life, there are certain things that cause dating to come with a bit of strife. First, that singleness in the church is quite the taboo. If it is talked about, we don't get much further than, hmm, poor you. So it's quite tricky working out how to be single and holy without being labelled as the lonely. Second, in a world obsessed with sex, my friends constantly want me to do something I'll regret. And I feel like I should tell you that I don't think about it. But honestly, do you see me wearing a habit? I still get urges, as an awkward youth worker would say, just because I'm a Christian doesn't mean they go away. Third, and this is really why I wanted to warn you, because this is the killer catch, I assure you. As a Christian young woman of 23, my desire to get married is at its peak. With all my Jesus-loving mates shacking up and the proposal posts that I must diligently love, my, print, my wedding Pinterest board is at its prime and I'm constantly assured soon will be my time for an attractive young man to come along and say, finally, a godly woman I can tweet about all day. Hashtag blessed. Sorry, I'm probably coming across as a bit intense. This might all sound like complete nonsense. I'm told it will get better when I hit 30. I guess I accept my fate and fulfill my duty. No longer the crazy single girl, but the wise, confident mentor. Weekends not filled with weddings, just looking after friends' children. And I guess singleness seen as less of a chore, chore, but still friends, church and society not quite sure how to relate to me. Now, you can say you've been warned about the girl you're meeting and this crazy, messed up dating world that you're entering. I know it will be worth it, the weight and the struggle. And what may make this better is not a random kiss or cuddle. Because when I find my fulfillment in him, my worth isn't in waiting for a man to walk in. So I ask you all to join me and raise your cup and all the struggling single Christians, come on, put your hands up. I'm sure there's uh, applause happening over many different lounges and living rooms at the minute. We can't see, but that was just absolutely fantastic. And thank you so much for doing that live as well, having the confidence and the courage to be able to do that. So what we thought it'd be good to do in this last TED Talk uh, section is just to really talk about some of that that stuff that you were talking about, because I think it is almost like a taboo subject, singleness in the church. So why don't you just tell me, give me a little bit of context of where that was written and why that was written. Uh, Yeah, so basically, um, I wrote that a couple of years ago. So I say in it, I'm 23, I'm now 25. Um, And it was at the end of doing a Christian internship. And um, on this internship, uh, the rule was you couldn't date anyone else doing the internship uh, or anyone kind of involved in the organisation we're ministering to and things like that. But of course, you've got all these, uh, quite a few of them, young single Christians, mm-hmm. um, all kind of, you know, not allowed to date, but all how, looking how around. Did, how did that work out? Because that was just, when we went to Bible college, yeah. it, was, it was never like an enforced rule, but it was sort of like, give yourself time to just settle yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. Again, a lot of 18, 19, 20-year-olds, completely yeah. single. And particularly, I think, growing up in a youth group in, in church, you, yeah. other than going to youth camps, you've got the same sort of single people. Yeah. So um, without sounding crass, it's almost like a new hunting field. Yeah. 
yeah. when you go away to these new intern programs or to a Bible college and you see all these new Christian singles that you've never met before. So was that adhered to? Um, I think, well, the thing was like, uh, it was mostly um, around across the year, but then as soon as it kind of, the date of the internship finished, I remember like someone posting on the Facebook group. Proposals. Um, like, yeah, basically <laughs> like, okay, it's finished, go and find your future spouse um, wow. and things like that. And so, you know, you're like, oh no, I'm not, uh, like, obviously I'm a good Christian girl. Like I'm not, I'm not thought about that at all. But then you're like checking your phone, like, um, have I got any messages? <laughs> um, but then after that, I went, um, I actually went with some of my uni friends who weren't Christians, but I'd done a drama course with them and we went to the Edinburgh Fringe Festival mm-hmm. and so that was kind of a whole other world because we were kind of going out to clubs and like going to see theatre and things like that um, and their view of relationships and singleness was so different you know it was about like finding people to get with or go home with or things like that mm-hmm. um, and so I kind of wrote this poem as I was like on my way home kind of thinking about how I'd gone from this quite intense like Christian world where like mm-hmm. singleness was seen in one way and then gone to like a totally different kind of intense secular world and just like how those two worlds kind of collide and how you like navigate that as a single person then at that stage kind of going into like the real world in a way so yeah that's kind of the background of the poem wow and I mentioned there like singleness is almost like a taboo subject Mm. in the church and it seems to me certainly being a a youth pastor when I started out in ministry and then young adults we sort of seem to have provision for single people by that I mean we we talk about it Mm. um but often particularly in youth and young adults it's it's more about the things you're not allowed to do yeah so as a single person uh, you're not allowed to do this and you're not allowed to do that and we almost make like marriage the goal Mm. Uh, and then it sort of seems you get to a certain age maybe you're pushing the the back end of young adult ministry Mm. and and you said about there you know I get to 30 and my perception of singleness changes you're you're no longer seen as this like young single person you're now seen as the wise older person Mm. the babysitter entrusted with the kids and um I'm just interested really to think to ask you is what what do you think about that because we have a lot of marriage courses have a lot of relationship courses a lot of how to to do relationships well but there's not that much really so certainly you're getting into into Mm -hmm. your 30s your 40s your 50s if you're single there's not much provision there in the local church you have like I don't know Christian dating events of church-wide but nothing in your local church yeah I think um that's really true and I think often when we talk about singleness in teenage years or early 20s it's never kind of a long-term goal as it were or you know something that that you think will last you know Mm -hmm. past kind of like 23 24 25 um age group um and so yeah and it is as you say like what you're not allowed to do how you prepare yourself for being a married person and it's, it's a lot of like um seen as kind of that that is the tip box that is when like you've started adulthood officially like that's when you're official adult is when you get married um and so yeah I think it um I think it it does make it um quite difficult then when you're a single person to believe the truth really that actually you are created in the image of God on your own you're not like half a person you're not um you know you're complete in Christ you're not complete in getting married or you know having children or whatever it is um and so yeah I think actually it's quite countercultural. even um you know it's countercultural in church but even in kind of Mm -hmm. um you know outside of church um to sort of say 
um, actually, you know, I wrote some of them down, like, you're complete in Christ. Mm. Um, you have an individual, like, purpose and calling. Um, and that might align with someone, but y- you were made for a purpose. And, you know, that is not affected by a relationship status. It might be enhanced. It might be... Um, like slightly changed or you know that your path of life like God has designed for you and so whatever it is whether you're married or you're single or in a relationship or not um you you should be looking to kind of fulfill that purpose and find out what it is God wants you to do and and what what where you find yourself now God will want you to be like living that out wherever you are and you can be in such unique situations as a single person um that maybe married people won't be in and you might be able to reach out to people you know I've heard kind of people say particularly um in the kind of pandemic time um that it's been highlighted how lonely people are and Mm. like we kind of knew about it but it's just been really highlighted and for some people um their like work is their whole life and so um their only friends are at work and so you might be as a single person able to give some time to um to contact that person, to reach out to that person, whoever you're working with, um, or you know, friends that you have and things like that. So, yeah. So I think um, I think it is something that is maybe slightly mixed in with like the culture outside the church and the culture inside of yeah. church, where we have you know put relationships and marriage on a kind of pedestal. Absolutely. And yeah. I don't think that's biblical, really. I absolutely agree. Yeah. And I, I think certainly we we do put marriage at the pinnacle of sort of the the christian walk mm. and, and and as you say it's not just in church it's like in society you think of phrases like oh that person made me whole that person's mm. the missing piece and the emphasis then is always that there's something missing with me yeah. or there's something that has to make me whole but actually you think back to genesis adam and eve it was not yeah. good for man to be alone i don't think god was just talking about romantic relationships mm. then you look through the whole of the New Testament and the emphasis is always on the gathered community, brothers yeah. and sisters. Yeah. It's not just husbands and wives and, and things like that. It's friendships, uncles, aunties, grandparents, parents. It's all the, the you know, spiritual sort of aspect of that. Mm. And um, I was just thinking as you were talking about Paul, Paul actually says in the Bible, it's actually better to be single and get, get married if you burn with lust. I think he's, he's so <laughs> yeah, crude yeah. to say. He said, if you can't control yourself, then get married. But actually, mm. it's better to be single because I can give more of myself to the Lord. Mm. And uh, we have made this, I think, unconscious bias towards sort of like Stepford families. Mm. You, you know, you have the house, the mortgage, the wife, the, the, the kids. But actually, you can be in a marriage and it can be really unhappy. Mm. You can be single and you can be really happy. So with all that in mind, Lizzie, as we think about the gathering of the community, a church, pandemic time and out of pandemic time, um, what, what are some of the things you would say, married couples particularly, how can we be more mindful of our single friends and more inclusive of the single experience, whether that's by design because mm-hmm. you've chosen to be or by default because uh, maybe you've been divorced or widowed or you just haven't found that person? Yeah. How can we as the church be more inclusive of the single experience? Um, well, I think um, one thing is kind of um, around sort of reserving judgment and like mm-hmm. communicating clearly. Um, so I don't mean that in terms of like getting rid of accountability. I think accountability mm. is really important, but that's kind of where you're actually like walking alongside a person. Um, I think sometimes in the church it can feel a bit of like a goldfish bowl. Like um, if mm. you come to church um, with a guy or a girl, or you know people see you sitting next to someone, or you know you're maybe even kind of um, 
a judgment around like saying uh, how can you be single when you're such an amazing person you know actually you're kind of um, you're making the judgment of uh, what that person should be doing in their life at that moment or you're kind of making a story for yourself of mm. how of what is going on there um, and I think definitely like you want to we, we want to have like friendships between like married people and single people where you can talk to each other and say like oh yeah this situation or you know things like that um, but kind of just looking at something and making your own judgment of what you think that picture looks like um, it's just not very helpful because it means that um, you can't have that kind of open conversation within the church mm. um, and I think the other thing is um, as uh, married people or people in families or things like that um, I think being kind of intentionally open with your kind of inner circle I guess or kind of your friendship circle I think we really naturally um, as humans like are drawn to people that are in a similar um, are similar stage to us yeah, yeah yeah and the similar stage of life um, and so that can be both ways you know single people might it, uh, naturally be drawn to single people and families naturally drawn to like um, other kind of families because you might think oh um, you know we're a couple with young kids so we'll uh, go and hang out with another couple of young kids because the husband can hang out with the husband the wife can hang out with the wife and then the kids can hang out with the kids yeah. and like everyone's happy everyone's great um, but I think actually like as families um, if if we can if they can kind of value um, the input of single people I think on like the whole family because I think actually um, you know if you invite a single person around for lunch um, the wife husband and kids could get something from them you know mm. they could all be friends in some different way and you know I make the joke about like babysitting the kids and stuff like that but actually you know I think if you value the input that a single person is having on your kids you know I was remembering um, Rodney's poem um, mm. that he did on Father's Day to kind of say like do you see me I'm, I'm fathering your kids and mm. like do you see that that's what I'm doing um, and I'm choosing to do that with my time and I'm choosing to invest in them um, and I think yeah so I think it's just kind of yeah valuing those friendships and valuing the input that a single person is having on um, your life and the life of your family that's brilliant and and again I think looking back going back to the bible that's what's demonstrated in in the community yeah different people bring different things and and I think actually of my um my nan's sister so she was my great aunt my auntie Pam she passed away a few years ago now um, never married mm. stayed single but she um we learned so much from her both sort of my dad's generation mm. so the first generation nephews and nieces and then us as great um nephews and nieces she was just such a lovely woman who brought so much to our family and particularly my nan and granddad they they sort of did that with her she was a sing- single woman but mm. really um part of what we did how we um did life in, in all different experiences and and I think it's just having the, um, the openness to recognise that in the church, isn't it? Because yeah. you can, as you're saying, certainly in a church our size, sort of 400 people, mm. it's easy to just stay in your little cliques and your little groups. Yeah. And actually, if you look around, there's so much um, experience and wealth of experience that can be garnered, not just for you personally, but for different generations mm. as well. So um, I love that you referenced Rodney's poem there. Yeah. Uh, Rodney's one of, one of the best kids and youth workers I think I've ever met in my life mm. and he just brings so much don't he, to so many people's children yeah. um, and young people as well yeah. so any any closing comments from you Lizzie um, well, I was gonna, do you have any thoughts on how uh, single people can support married and family families oh, absolutely yeah so one, one of my best friends uh, that comes to RCF is, is a single guy mm. um, and we we do that we have have him round for mm. for lunch and, and have him as part of our family we see him as a 
a member of the nucleus of our family. So I, I would really encourage those who who maybe are married and have, have kids or grown-up kids and um, you know single people who are close to you in your life, just be really inclusive of them because mm-hmm. they do bring so much to a traditional family unit. And I think what we do in the West, we see our family unit as that sort of nucleus as mom, dad and kids. Yeah. But actually, um, certainly in the East and, and in Bible times as well, it was a whole big family unit as mm. in single people, married people, uncles, aunts. Yeah. Um, and I love that. I think it brings so much more to the safety of family. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's a good question. I think <laughs> certainly um, having that in my life from a few people actually who are single has, has really helped mm. um, Becky and I and I think as well um, what you were saying is married couples gravitate to married couples I think that really cuts it cuts you off because actually sometimes like certainly for me as a guy I just want to go and talk to a guy mate mm. um, without having to have Becky there and I know Becky um, is in your life group yeah, as well yeah. she she won't let me you know invite husbands or anything to that group yeah, because yeah. that's her space with her friends and yeah, there's a real mix of girls in your yeah, group yeah. isn't there? Yeah, those different life stages, yeah, yeah, students and young adults and married and kids, young families and stuff like yeah, so yeah, that's been a real blessing to kind of have that as a weekly um, place and I think, as you say, I think Becky was really intentional with who she brought to that group and I mm-hmm. think, but within that has always been open and said, you know, you can invite people and stuff like that. So, yeah, I think um, it's, it, yeah, it's been a real blessing to know people at different stages of life and yeah, I think, um, and I think it's just been brilliant this morning as well to have like loads of different um, viewpoints on mm. uh, what love and relationships and um, and that yeah what that means to different people and what that means as a church as well and how we love each other um, as God loves us as well. So yeah. So I think a challenge for this week. So we're thinking about that eclectic unit rather mm. than just a traditional unit, whether you're single or married or divorced or widowed is um, just a challenge to our church to reach out to somebody. If you're single, reach out to a married couple. If you're married, reach out to a married couple. If you're divorced, reach out to someone who's engaged. But really, let's look at branching our our relationships, Um, particularly, as you said, in this time of pandemic where there's so much loneliness, so much Mm. isolation. Um, I think people are really re-evaluating their identities. And I think for for some of us, I mean, I'm I'm nearly eight years married now, and... um, we, we get it in our heads that marriage begins, you know, it's the, the, the high point of marriage is like your wedding day. You spend months mm. and months and months, and sometimes even years. Some of my friends have been engaged like three years planning your wedding day. But it's like driving. Your marriage doesn't start until you, you get married. And um, I'm still learning how to be married. Becky will tell you. Um, <laughs> and I think actually we can learn a lot from our single friends mm. um, of how to be married well as well. So a challenge for you this week to reach out to someone who's at a completely different light stage uh, from you in our church and then see where it takes us. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. Fantastic. Let's close with a worship song before we go into our Zoom room at the end of the service. You'd be really welcome to join us in the chat. Thank you so much to Lizzie, to Cheryl, to Ace and Claudine for bringing that content for us today. Remember, you can share this with your friends afterwards on YouTube as well. But we're going to finish with a time of worship now and then head straight over to our Zoom coffee lounge. If you're watching church online, you can hit the little join the Zoom button or it will be in your weekly comps. Have a fantastic week, church.